0: Hello and welcome to episode 172 of What Most People Think and I hope that this, uh, I hope this finds you well. People often say that in emails, don't they? Hope hope you're well, hope you're well. The only time I give a fuck about when people are well is in the world of emails. I've never, (laughs) I've never met a person in life and gone, I hope you're well, I hope you're well. You just go, all right. It's weird that in person we are way less polite than we are over emails. But uh, anyway, I hope this podcast finds you well. Uh, we're now in that bit aren't we? We've had um we've had Halloween and we've had fireworks night and now it's that big fuck you bit between the two, isn't it? It's the bit that goes right that's it you just slog your way through to Christmas. You're going to be ill, you're going to be tired, waking up every day is going to be difficult, but you just keep going. You just keep going till Christmas. And it sort of begs a question I've thought this for a long time is that why why do we not have a bank holiday at this time of year. So obviously, we're all flagging, right? We're all flagging, but now they keep just, oh, we'll bung another one in May. Another one in May. Let's just keep having bank holidays uh, in May, when it's sort of already getting sunnier and people got energy, rather than November, when people are generally dying on their ass. Um, it's interesting this week isn't it The biggest story isn't political There's no there's no obvious big political story There are a number of ones dancing around I mean I've got to say And I think that a lot of There's often been the accusation Or or the idea promoted by the Tories That stuff is all, it's all Westminster village It doesn't have interest to the wider uh, population And they were well wrong with that and Partygate But I do think that the stories at the moment are like that I've got to say no, I know that left-wing press are trying to push this, but no one gives a fuck about Gavin Williamson and his hurty little texts, all right? Should he be speaking to employees like that? No. Does he seem like a bit of a dick? Yes. Is it national news? There's a question we've got to ask ourselves now. Is it national news? Let's get these journos. They're so hooked up, sucking on the, the teat of big news. Sometimes you just got to say that, that that's that's a you thing, okay? The rest of us... It's a tough time of year. We're a bit skint. We're just gonna we're just gonna watch. It. I'm a celebrity. Uh, I just just to catch up with a couple of personal things. I went to my son's football the other day. My son is uh, six and a half. Plays for a little league team. And um, at the weekend, uh, Hunts FA, Huntingdonshire FA, were doing this thing whereby uh, you could no one on the touch lines. because you know there's this parent problem with parents, arsehole parents, getting way too carried away by their kids playing football because they haven't dealt with their own emotional shit and they can't. Sort of uh, stop themselves from living excessively vicariously. Well, Hunt's FA have brought in this rule whereby uh, you're only allowed to clap. You're only allowed to clap, and that includes the coaches. And it, it was, I've got to say, it was a little bit odd. It was a little bit odd just clapping kids, you know, it felt, it felt a bit like county cricket. <laughs> <laughs> you want to scream encouragement, but, oh, oh a round of applause, a round of applause. Uh, you know, and eventually, I, I do wonder if you can really change things. The kids then go, instead of oh, I'm not getting any encouragement, or oh, I'm not getting enough applause. The problem is, particularly with the coaches not being able to speak to the kids, is that six-year-old boys are weird. They just do weird stuff. Their heads, they're absolute tits and chances. a lot of them. So sometimes you need to just say, turn around and they're just facing the wrong way. They'll be standing staring at the fucking corner flag. You need to tell them. You need to tell them. It's just like, you're not in goal anymore. That was last week. You're You're not two of them in goal at the same time. Do you, do you know what i mean they take a they get given a penalty and they try and pass it it's mad stuff and you need to be able to coach them certainly the coaches do anyway and what it led to was a lot of parents gesticulating wildly with their hands and their eyes we all become very italian like, push on, um i was gonna do an italian accent there but i realized that i'll be on, only be doing uh the dolmio accent is that an accent officially? I don't know, but it's a solo show this week. Don't, do not, don't you dare, don't you dare switch off because we got loads of stuff to catch up on. This is a bit of, it's a bit of personal time for me. Don't I mean me making it sound creepy doesn't really help, does it? But of course we're going to have um, politics catch up, and uh, like I say, there's a lot of lot of interesting stories bouncing around, and in a way, it's more. I mean, we're going to talk about Ed Davey this week. We talk about Ed fucking Davy. You made it, Ed Davy. What are we, 172 episodes in? And it's the first time I think I've mentioned you on this podcast. Uh, I'm sure David Domain will uh, <laughs> will keep me up to date with that. I don't think that that graph would take long to plot. Um, but we're also, as well as the politics, I feel like the big story this week, as we build up towards the World Cup, is the hypocrisy in and around the Qatar World Cup. Um, there was this clip on Have I Got News For You of Gary Neville getting skewered. Uh, people often use the phrase skewered. All right. And often it means someone made a good point and the question time audience cra- uh, clapped, I was going to say crapped a little bit too enthusiastically. I mean, that would be, one, be uh, an episode of question time to remember, wouldn't it? Fiona Bruce uh, going, uh, the man in the, uh, the trilby hat there that's just shat on the floor. Um, but, you know, there is this culture of celebrities uh, sort of telling us the right liberal things to do, but not always living, a be- living that life or walking that walk. And it does get uh, annoying. Uh, but before that, the Domain Talking Point, uh, where our super patron, David Domain, uh, looks back at the last episode and picks out a few things and elaborates on them. I mentioned Going for Gold, and it was indeed uh, a quiz show. You'll remember that. I mean, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are a similar vintage, right? Daytime TV was it on our, just after Neighbours. Neighbours. Do you remember when Neighbours was on twice a day with two different episodes? That's fucking weird, wasn't it? Uh, but, you know, life in Britain was shit in the 80s. We We, we needed that, didn't we? We needed a bit of Ramsey Street. We needed these kids that, you know, were the most important thing in their life was whether or not they were going to do a, a, a garage sale at Lassiter's. <laughs> Do you remember, like, they'd have really serious moments going, I think my dog's got tonsillitis. It was incredible, wasn't it? We were having strikes and fucking bricks and riots, but these pricks, these pricks all had swimming pools. Um... The original run of Going for Gold was in nineteen eighty seven to nineteen ninety-six and it was hoping hosted by Henry Kelly. You're playing catch-up now. Do you remember that? Whenever anybody was behind in the game, he would also he would always say, You're playing catch-up now. And you go, Well, they're just losing, you know, Henry. But maybe that was a you know, maybe he was ahead of his time in the kind of touchy feely language that we have these You can't say losing. That's a bit exclusive, isn't it? It's a bit triggering. You're playing catch-up. I think, if I remember rightly, one of the features of Going for Gold was that it was about... All the contestants were from different bits of Europe. Do you remember that? Like, I mean, I don't know, because we, we, we sort of, like, it was after the Maastricht Treaty, and they thought, how do we sell this greater uh, political um, involvement here that hasn't really been run past the British people? Oh, no, we'll do a daytime quiz show called Going for Gold. You're playing catch-up now, and you're what you're catching up with now is uh, the level to which British sovereignty has moved overseas. Uh, should we have a Brexit row? We haven't had a Brexit round for ages. Um, uh, new patrons, we got board member, board member Darren Sherry. Darren Sherry. I always remember Darren Sherry. My God, he loved that gun. <laughs> I just remember Darren Sherry sitting on his old porch, shining his gun. Oh, boy, he used to sh- Do you know what Darren Sherry sounds like? He sounds like a character in an old um, Jack Daniels advert. I don't know if you remember those, God, they were so fucking cliched, weren't they? Down in old Tennessee, old Billy Bob, he used to roll those barrels for 20 miles a day for 50 years. They'd essentially be describing people that had done really tedious uh, jobs for all of their life, but somehow you go, yeah, I want a Jack Daniels. Those old barrels, I still remember the sound of them, and they trundled down that hill, and Darren Sherry would shoot one of them. Um, So Darren is a board member. Now, just to bring you up to date on the Jeff Norcott and friends thing and the access provided to Patreons. So we've done the board members. We've gone through uh, offer tickets for the VIP. And I'm pleased to say that we will have um, tickets available for uh, the other two tiers. There'll be a limited number available. So I'm basically going to post those up this week and just say, and it will be there'll be an allocated number of tickets. There'll be a certain number and it will be first come first served. And we should also welcome a brand new VIP, and a lady, no less, is Leslie Perry. Leslie Perry and Darren Sherry. <laughs> now you sound like a country act. I remember in my old Jeep, that pickup took a real and Oh, drinking beers with some good old boys by a tree named Steve. Uh, <laughs> I'm sort of attracted to that weird sort of country mythology. But thank you, Leslie Perry. And now I'm just reading us Leslie... Is it geezer? I don't think so. Leslie Perry. Leslie, welcome to the VIP. I hope you've checked and uh, hopefully you're available for one of those two gigs. Before we crack on and talk about the politics, let's just do a a thank you and a fuck you. I want to thank you to advertisers for doing so much to change the way that we see diversity. I mean, it's been a theme of the show ever since we started that adverts just do do not really statistically represent Britain, but that's clearly how it is now it's clearly how it is we just got to accept that you know that it's a sort of different world it's like a fantasy world where metropolitan liberals sort of envisage a world that they would like to see I mean one of the things that gets me about this is they they in they imagine a very inclusive multicultural world where every friendship group and every relationship is 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 heavily uh you know mixed race uh you get the impression I would love to see these guys lives and see just how mixed their lives are (laughs) they've <laughs> got these adverts where, you know, there's people buying a sofa, there's a black guy, there's a white guy who's like a punk, you know, there's a woman with blue hair in a wheelchair. Um, and then, so there's this new World Cup promo and um, and it's sort of showing how people will watch the World Cup or consume the World Cup. And of course, it's very diverse. I think it starts with an old, uh, an old um, black couple lying in bed. Uh, there's a, a lesbian couple, disabled mum of seven you know it sort of goes through the diversity thing and i think fair enough you know i, I get the point may be to say to people that the world cup is for for everybody um but there's I mean, just a simple but it's tricky isn't it for a bloke like me because whenever i talk about this stuff people think well what do you not like those people jeff do you not want to see them in popular culture that's absolutely not the case the case is is that i just think that the world should be represented roughly in terms of statistical likelihood right and you know if you've had periods in the past whereby people are underrepresented sure there's a point that for a time they should be a bit overrepresented right you sort of make it up a bit but the, the level of overrepresentation is what I find odd and 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 also the you know the one group that I don't think they show in this promo is the people who are statistically most likely to watch football I mean you just don't see at any point a group of lads in middle age with a delighted look on their face because they've managed to swing an all-dayer. One of them sitting in one of their mates' garages watching a, a fucking weird World Cup qualifier, <laughs> like Iran versus Jamaica. You don't. If the point is to represent all what Britain is, the, the diverse rainbow of what Britain is, fair enough. But in terms of racial diverse representation, it's just weird. I do think that there'll be a point in this country where that question will be asked by the Asian community: "Where's our representation?" You know, at the last, I mean, the census might might have changed this, but. At the last census, 12.5% of Britain was Asian. I think 3.5% uh, were black. So so that question uh, is is going to come up. But um, And then, of course, the advertising execs will suddenly be like, fuck <laughs> What most people think. Okay, the fuck you this week. Slightly weird one. Uh, but to scammers. You know, scammers, these little pricks that just sit there coming up with ways of separating decent working people, decent working people from their money. I got one the other day and it was a text and it said, hi, mum. I'm like, okay, first up, you know, call it my spider senses, but I'm thinking something's not right here. Uh, Hi, mum. Um, I dropped my phone down a friend's toilet. Uh, I'm on her number now. Can you get back in touch with me by WhatsApp? I'm in trouble. Essentially, it was like a peril text, wasn't it? And the cynicism of it appealing to a mother, you know, it's their worst instinct. My child is in trouble. And so no doubt they want to go to WhatsApp because that sounds like, hey, it's encrypted. So when I ask you for your fucking bank details, no one else will be able to hear, apart from the prick who's currently scamming you. I was so annoyed by it. I was so annoyed by it. I actually wanted to go through like a a sort of role play thing where I was a heartless mother. You know, I was going, good. You deserve it. Get yourself out of this scrape, you prick, (laughs) just to really freak out the person on the other end. You've been a smackhead for years. This is the third time this week. Tell me where you are. I'll Send the police. I'll say you, you need you need locking up. <laughs> Imagine that if the scammer then turned on you, like you are a terrible mother. Well, you're a scammer, and this is the point. Is I think it's interesting how we rank crimes. Even the word scam doesn't sound that bad, does it? But you think at the heart of it, right? Say for example a violent crime. Violent crimes can be committed sometimes. You know, sometimes with premeditation, but sometimes in the moment, like a horrible coming together of circumstances, and you know, obviously murder. It's the worst crime. Not that you would think that, you know, in the current world. you think the worst crime was... Uh, <laughs> the worst crime was, uh, you know, it's intolerance, actually. <laughs> I bet you any money there are people that think that. If you actually did a survey of, like, Gen Zers, certainly, you know, particularly liberal Gen Zers, what's worse, murder or racism? Some of them would go, oh, if I feel like it's racism. You go, yeah, racism is terrible. But I think most people would rather be called a name than killed. Um so, how do we rank these crimes? You know, drug trafficking. You know, if you're part of a drug trafficking cartel, um, you might, um, you, you know, you, look, it's a moral decision that a lot of people think drugs should be legal. And a lot of these organizations are providing work, <laughs> pleasure, you know, depending on how you view these things, or ruining lives. But they provide work. Some of them even probably have, like, a, you know, a pension scheme. Do they? Probably. You know, you like to think old Tony Soprano. Hey, I will look after you. You know, you look after me. I'll... It's very appealing. I, for some reason, Italian crime still for for a bloke of a certain age, the idea of being an Italian mobster still seems appealing. Even though every film we've ever seen involving them, they have their lives are a fucking bin fire, and they all die. And we think, "Copper," but, but they lived. Huh? The way that they ate steak, the fucking respect they got when they walked in a restaurant. Are you kidding me? Um. But I think I think um, scamming needs to be pu- pu- sort of pushed up the uh, the list of of, of heinous crimes, because you're just the, who is it? It's little prick. It's just an awful thing, isn't it, to come up with an idea? Oh, you know, you know what's the greatest love that there can be? Oh yeah, with a mother and a child. How could I? How could I make money out of that? And I know that some of you will say that like there are other games in the world, like the arms trade. <laughs> I mean, it's quite legitimate, which is obviously morally uh, morally bankrupt, you know, insurance, you know, insurers that never pay people out. There's all this stuff. But I just think as an individual to just sit there yourself and go, oh, I think I should have, you know, just normal people. I think I should have some of their money on the basis of, of, their, of winning their trust uh, dishonestly. So I think scamming should be pushed up there. I want, to, I want scamming. I'm not saying like nonsense, but I'm saying that when a scammer's on D-Wing, do you know what I mean? When a scammer gets sent down, if there's any lags listening to this or any other words that only tabloid newspapers use, if you ever get a scammer on your wing, find out who he's scamming. You scamming old ladies, yeah? Just watch yourself, yeah? And then the scammer's like, didn't you murder someone? Shut up. I need to feel morally superior to someone. Okay, scammers. Keep them peeled. Uh, meanwhile, let's talk about politics. Yeah, I hope everybody is excited about COP twenty seven. COP twenty. Does anybody else think that with the cops that they should give them names? Do you remember, like in the early UFCs, it would be like UFC sixteen, Revenge, or you know, UFC twenty one, Revolution. I think that the the cops should have names like that. You know cop 27 should be called renaissance cop 27 renaissance in charmel Sheikh. watch it on pay-per-view or you, extinction <laughs> and one of the issues that's come up by the way rishi rishi decided to go in the end um and i did think the moment that i saw him there i did think it was it an odd decision to even think about not going in the first place because it is an opportunity is it not to seem like a statesman on the world stage and I don't know if you saw that photo of him and Macron, the two little fellas, the two little Lord Farquhar's of world, po- world politics. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, so in the photo, they look delighted to see each other. And of course you're like, for once I don't have to wear heels. Give me a hug, Rishi. But um, it is weird, isn't it? That you're allowed to just mock a guy's height. It is, first up, like, it has real social significance, doesn't it? There's a lot of people, women on Tinder, uh, height queens, I think they're called that they, they just stipulate, nobody under six foot. Nobody under six foot. Kind of brutal. Uh, thank God I'm married. There's every reason for me to work at my marriage, isn't there? I mean, if you look at my failing body, <laughs> my dad bod, my height, you know, just just, just keep the wife happy, Jeff, because if you had to go back into the dating game, five, eight and a half does not cut it. Um, and it's kind of brutal, isn't it? Because it's not something a man can change about himself. I think that there's something about female beauty... That can be quite democratic. You can get a tit job, you can get uh you can get a fucking weave, wig, whatever, nails extended, lips done. You can get it all done. You can get yourself up to a passable level. One thing you cannot do as a bloke is uh, is is get taller. But um they were they were delighted to see each other. And uh, the discussion has come around to so this contentious thing of whether or not uh more uh Western nations should pay reparations to, you know, places in Asia and Africa that are experiencing some of the black backlash of um, global global warming, climate change. Is it called global Is that a real old fuddy-duddy thing to call it, the old global warming, hey? The acid rain, come on, hashtag Greenpeace. Um, and, um, you know, there is, there's an argument for this. One of the things I think is that politically this is such a tricky thing to try and sell to the wider electorate, Right. Now, of course, they could go down the road of just the two parties eventually take the same position. And uh, it's a fait complete. But imagine them trying to sell that to the electorate at this point. You know, you get the impression there probably are quite a few Labour MPs. I mean, Ed Miliband certainly made noises that he believes that reparations to developing nations are um, are appropriate. But imagine trying to sell that at a general election. I mean, how easy would it be to do an attack ad? You, you You'd end up with one of those American ones, wouldn't they? Labour want to get in. This is Ed Miliband. He thinks your money should be going to Pakistan. (laughs) The Americans don't fuck about, do they? With, With the attack ads. And I get there's an argument. Some people say, well, you give money to these countries, you help them deal with the effects of climate change, and you reduce future need for migration. But it's a hard sell. Like I say, unless the two main parties just go in lockstep on this, like they did on lockdowns. Does it have to be? Net zero. I mean, this is one of the I've got to ask. Is it one of those things that the slogan is an easier sell when it's got a snappy name? Net zero. Yeah, gotta be gotta be a net zero. Why? Why does it have to be net zero? Why can't it be a little bit above zero? No, it's gotta be net zero. Is it like five a day? Is it like five a day where the government are like, Look, we're not no one's gonna eat very few people are gonna eat five pieces of fruit and veg a day? But do you know something that pissed me off about five a day? It's like Did you ever have one of those smoothies where it says, like an innocent smoothie, and it says, uh, in this, 28 blueberries, 46 strawberries, a fucking crate of bananas, uh, a whole field of apples, one of your five a day. How is that only one of your five a day? (laughs) Do I sound like an FM radio DJ? How the hell was that one of your five a day? Um, But yeah, maybe they were realistic and thought, well, if we can get the idea of five a day in people's heads, then you know if people do two or three a day, that's still better than people just pushing fucking chips into their head all day long. But that's what I, that's what I wonder is like, is, is the, the 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 violent shift towards net zero part of the, part of the problem here? Is that a lot of countries? You know, when you just suggest something to someone, and people there's no, there's fucking no chance of me doing that. I might as well just carry on. You know, it's like some of these protesters that keep saying, "But there's no future," you know. <laughs> They're up a bridge, stand on top of the Dartford Crossing. Go, there's just no future. We're all gonna die in a week. You go, oh, we're gonna die in a week then. Why? Why am I? Why am I bothering? Let's, let's fucking uh, let's heat the house. Let's heat the house directly. Let's get some coal going. Let's get some, Let's open up some fucking coal mines. Let's enjoy these last few years. Just a bit of a Keir Starmer watch because um, you know he's he's likely now to be the next prime minister of his country, and there is, there is a kind of growing anger on the left. Of course, we've had this issue whereby Keir Starmer rode back on most of the uh, most of the election commitments he made when he was pitching to be leader of the Labour Party, and there was uh, there was an interview over the weekend where he was talking about Brexit, you know, and the potential to rejoin the single market, and you know. The, the, the rejoin argument was being uh, discussed, and he said about Brexit, like, As st- uh, "Look, we had a vote. We had a vote. We left. We left the EU. We're out. You're better off out." I said out at the time. Like you're thinking, he he's excited. Do you do you remember when you tried to suggest that we should have another vote? Do you remember, do you remember that? Kia? Yeah. no, I said at the time I was all about the Brexit hard. I said it wasn't hard enough. Are you seriously trying to mind fuck people here? And look, and you know, there will be some of you listening now that thinking, well, you know, he was right to push for a second referendum at the time. Or you might just be thinking, well, Brexit has been such a, you know, from from your point of view, a bad thing, unequivocally a bad thing. We can argue about how Brexit's performing, whether the government have taken advantage of the opportunities, whether it's the right time in our history to do it. We can argue about all that. One thing I will never move a fucking inch on is that having had the vote, we had to leave. We had to leave. And anyone that was actively engaged in trying to subvert a democratic vote, I mean, that was the thing that I became most passionate about. And it's hard to remember because, you know, among my sort of, like, friendship group, I'm one of a few people that voted leave. And you sort of find yourself defending Brexit. And you're going, oh, look, I was never ideologically committed to Brexit, but I was ideologically committed to the idea that you shouldn't just fucking, like, switch a switch a vote around, you know, pull some North Korean shit Um and it must be hard for the Labour left, because, like, hang on, you you advocated uh, that weird, what was it, Labour position? Look, it's very simple. We're just going to we're gonna go back to the EU. We're going to renegotiate. Then we will have another referendum and we will campaign against the new deal that we vote, voted for. <laughs> he was part of that. Corbyn, I love slagging off Corbyn, is a Democrat after all, and he wanted to stick to it. But So it's incredibly rich. When when suddenly Starmer's all about the Brexit and um, and remember last week uh, in the episode Leo curse we spoke about you know will Starmer at some point uh, take a position that's a bit too bit too rich too much of a right wing position for the left of his party and uh, again over the weekend he was talking about the need to to stop uh, importing so many foreign NHS workers. And um, I just wonder if he's trying to send coded messages uh, to the Red Wall. You know, stop foreign, <laughs> like he's saying things in capital letters, you know. They're coming over here, taking our jobs, which is fair enough, but they are coming. Like, is he trying to sort of like, you know, when you play those records backward, he's trying to be right wing in a sort of subliminal way. Uh, so, so I think that that was a bit prescient of, that, of me and Leo to, to suggest that, that there'll just be a point where the left will go, you know what, fuck this. I'm voting green. I need to feel virtuous about my vote. And this guy is just a diet Tory. I mean, he is small C conservatives, Starmer. He really is. And I do think, I think that ultimately at an election, the desire to get the Tories out will be, will be bigger than people's desire to feel virtuous. But he really is pushing the left of the party to its absolute limit. Okay, let's talk Ed Davey here. I'm kind of excited. Making his debut on what most people think is Ed. Who the fuck are you, Davy? He he right. So the Lib Dems, despite, you know, people having had a lot of problems with the two-party system for quite a while. You know, a lot of disaffected liberal Tories, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of Labour voters that don't think that Labour are taking radical enough positions, right? So there's there's a there's a spot, and yet they just seem to sit at about 9%. And voting into they're sort of like they're sort of like print media, aren't they? The Lib Dems, you know, like newspapers, physical newspapers. you think there's always going to be some people that are going to want newspapers, but it'll probably diminish over time. (laughs) And that's the Lib Dems. So as I always say, don't feel bad for them. If I'm slagging them off, they're in the game here. They're in the discussion. Lib Ed Davy, right? Ed Davy. So he comes out. uh, He's got this little plan. Is that with things being tough, you know, and obviously mortgage rates going up, a lot of standard variable rates would have already gone up, you know, this Tory mortgage crash, or whatever, however it is he's characterised it, um, he's come up with this plan whereby people in particular, sort of mortgage poverty, I guess everything's got to have a, a what, energy poverty, age poverty, every, every kind of poverty exists now, and uh, where you can claim 300 quid uh, a month on your mortgages, mortgage relief, right, okay, I mean, you know, it's one of these ideas that a lot of people will like the idea of on the face of it. A lot of people have got mortgages. A lot of people have got less money. And leaving aside, you know, whether or not the state should be intervening in a situation like this, Ed, you can't be part of the chorus of people saying that the mini-statement with Liz Truss and Quasi Kwarteng crashed the economy, right? Because it spooked the guilt markets because there was unaccounted for spending. that was going to leave a bigger black hole. You can't be that. You can't be that guy. And then suddenly go, who wants some free money? And then start, you know, making it rain, dishing out, dishing out the pound notes like some fucking pervert in a strip club. You know, just throwing money out there. Can you not see? This was the problem all the time, with Labour and the Lib Dems' reaction to the mini budget essentially boxed them into a corner where they'd accepted the need for a level of fiscal prudence, which was probably beyond what any left of centre party would want going into government, right? And you know, the truth is the government have given lots of support direct to people and it's a sort of sign of how crashingly shit their comms have been. Is They've put more money directly in people's accounts than any government in history, certainly in my lifetime, right? E- even recently, even recently, the rich pensioners have been getting a little Brucey bonus, haven't they, with these cold... Because you remember the cost of living payments that happened before the government really hit the skids? What was it, 400 and 600 quid? So as much as 1200 quid, everybody got a bit of money off their energy, then they got 66 quid off a month. Just fucking dishing out money. And yet, because of just how appallingly managed the mini statement was, like oh, this hard right, heartless economic government. Because <laughs> the Tories are just so utterly shit at being able to say that they did something good. You know, if it was Labour, we all know, all know Labour would still be reminding us about They'll be dining out on that for 20 years. Do you know what I mean you know, you? know, like one of those football managers that kept one club up once. That would be Labour, wouldn't it? Do you remember when Labour paid your wages? Yeah, yeah, it was a while ago now. Labour paid your wages. That sounds like an election slogan, but of course the Tories do that, and uh, the Tories paid your wages. People are like you know what? Actually, fuck all the way off. You did not pay. <laughs> they. There are some people that just have it incapable of of believing that the Tories have ever done the right thing. And even if they have done, and I realise I'm sounding like a full government shield now, but even if they have done, they do mental acrobatics as to why that wasn't the case. Well, of course, they had to pay furlough. Every country was paying furlough. Well, the, the vaccine rollout, that was actually the NHS, and I would definitely still be giving the NHS credit if it had gone badly. But all of it, you know, it, it all of it speaks to the fact that the Tories haven't been able to get their message across. But meanwhile, you know, the polls... I've narrowed a bit, but it does still look for the moment like Labour, you know, if there was an election tomorrow, they would win a pretty big majority. Okay, quick hype here, just uh, to say hello to some, last month, Patreon dropped out a lot of people, a lot of people, but some of you have been kind enough to reactivate your accounts. We've got Matt Price matt price paul riding who appeared to try to re-activate his account about 18 different times and we've got our old friend darren carter darren carter will not be dissuaded and we've got a new patreon as well here his name is chris felon he's got two f's at the beginning of his name and i always think that this might be a bit culturally insensitive you know if he's an Irish guy and I start going, what the fuck's all that about? You find, out, no, that was imposed upon us by the British. Like, it could be Christopher Fellen. Chris Fellen. Chris Fellon. I mean, you've got to say that that second F isn't really doing any work there, Chris. No offense to your family name. No. But welcome to the Patreon community. Just a reminder to people listening generally: if you're not a part of the Patreon community, but you do want to come and see the Jeff Norcott and friends gigs, just do a little search. Uh, they're going to be on the 25th of January at the Backyard Comedy Club in Bethnal Green. So do a quick search for that. You can tickets are available; they're pretty cheap, seven pound fifty. Uh, and I'll be trying out new material. We'll have a lineup of Ax uh, and then on the 2nd of March in Leeds, in Leeds at the Brilliant Wardrobe Venue. Uh, I'll also be the same thing there. I'll have a supporting act and I'll be trying out material for the upcoming tour. So again, the tickets are priced competitively, but there's a reason for that. Cause you know, one or two of the jokes, the new jokes will be as comedians say, making their debut and farewell a performance. But uh, but look, there'll be some good gear, good gear, good gear, what can't I speak? Why can't I say good gear? Is it cause I've been on the good gear? Sadly not. So I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about the World Cup, right? But just to bring you up to date, if you missed it, uh, on Have I Got News For You, um, Ian Hislop basically climbed into Gary Neville, who was presenting Have I Got News For You. Gary Neville has made this play recently to move into the political world. You know, another one of these celebrities, a bit like Lineker, who's always got a view on everything. You know, I just don't know why they can't... I just don't understand why we can't, you know, just do good things, you know. it voice got a really simple answer. And then, you know, Q 40,000 likes, never going, you should be Prime Minister, mate, better than this lot. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's always the way. The first time a person goes on Question Time, it's such an easy gig. I had it the first time I went on Question Time. You just make, you can just say really easy shit, like going, hey, I've, you know, when it comes to a planet, I think we should just sort it out. <laughs> Round of applause. And then whoever the poor bastard minister is, they go, you know, well, it's a bit more complicated than that. Boo! Um, but, you know, Gary Neville has sort of set himself up as a bit of a socialist man of the people, and he's, uh, he's presenting Have I Got News For You. And then Ian Hislop sort of senses the moment to climb into him. You should watch the clip. And basically, and this shows how much of a, an easy ride sort of virtue-signalling liberal celebrities sometimes get, where he says... Gary Neville tries to defend it and he sort of adopts this weird Richter scream where he's realising, oh, fuck, this is going to go viral. And um, Ian Hislop says simply, well, you could just not go. You could just not go to the tournament. Because if you're going, you are, and you're earning good money, like proper money from it. You're tacitly endorsing what's going on in a a state which has got issues with sort of slave labour and, uh, you know, the the laws on, on... you know, homosexual love. <laughs> Why did that come out so weird? Their laws are homosexual love. Um, now I get that the players there's a there's a broader context, isn't there? The players play for the England national team. The England, the FA have agreed, FIFA have agreed. There's a much broader context in which that's happening. But Gary Neville does not have to go to the world cup he does not have to commentate he does not have to earn money for it and i'm sure he's now he's probably already said it oh i'm actually giving money some of the money away you know (laughs) like matt hancock with his sudden there oh uh, dyslexia charities please please leave me alone uh gary neville he doesn't have to go and all is all is spouting off It was just a moment of crashing moment of celebrity liberal hypocrisy whereby for so long now their argument has been, I just think everybody else should do the right thing. You know, why can't people just do the right thing? That's what I think. Boris should have done the right thing. You know, but you should do the right thing. Stay in, protect the innate, Do do the right thing. What about you doing the fucking right thing, mate? Hey, eh? you're already a multi-millionaire. You don't have to be there on any level. You know, it's not like you're, it's not like you're one of those struggling ex-pros that you suddenly find out is driving Ubers. That I would understand. You don't have to be there. Just just uh, do the right thing. I mean, God, it pisses me off. Like, you know, the world I work in, you know, in and around showbiz, put it this way during COVID, there were plenty of people that were like, you know, just stay at home, guys, protect the NHS, wear your mask. And they go, I knew some of these people were having fucking parties at their houses. They were having people over in their mat because it's all it's very easy to stay at home when you live in a fucking mansion. Anyway, not naming names, not naming names. No one close to me, but I I had stories, let me tell you. And then you get David Beckham, right? David Beckham, LGBT icon, I think because he wore a fucking sarong once. That's all it takes, isn't it? It's like a lot of these, uh, you know, guys that are ambiguous about their sexuality. Harry Harry Styles, you know, he wears a bit of face glitter, doesn't he? And he goes, oh, he'll say that he finds another celebrity sexy. Is he actually taking a dick? That's what I want to know. Stop pissing about with this... It's fucking offensive to the gay community. Have you taken a dick, Harry? (laughs) You don't get to get the benefits of seeming, you know, non bi I want to see you fucking getting stuck in, mate. Um, (laughs) And uh, David Beckham, he wore a sarong. But, oh, look, David Beckham, he's advertising for the Qatari Tourist Board. You know, it's just never-ending this stuff, isn't it? Yeah, you, know, you know that'll be why. Call me a cynic. Why David Beckham, all that come out about him earning money from Qatar. Then, uh, oh look, he's suddenly queuing to see the Queen. the twelve-hour queue. Well, well, well. Wouldn't you know it? Surprise, surprise. That wasn't dreamed up by his PR. Um, all right, Jeff. Maybe you're being a bit cynical here. But let's talk about old Net Zero, Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker, who you know, quite happy to tweet and post all the time about what a wonderful person Greta Thunberg is you know, I just don't understand she's just trying to do the right thing he's flying out here they fucking everywhere going on Barcelona watch games you know they're just trying to make the world a better place well why don't you make it a better place then mate just start make a proper gesture not just fucking quote tweeting some, <laughs> some extinction rebellion account actually take a stand I'm sick of it man I'm sick of it. You remember Emma Thompson with the first big Extinction Rebellion thing? I mean, God, we'd have taken that. Remember the big pink boat outside Oxford Circus sta- Station? You know, she got straight on a plane, didn't she? Flew first class. Not, not realising the irony of that, she flew first class to... I mean, Greenpeace must have been going, what the fuck, man? We've been out there for going toe-to-toe with Japanese whaling ships. These Extinction Rebellion pricks, they just stick a pink boat outside a tube station. Suddenly, Emma Thompson... It's burning some carbon just to just to be seen alongside it. It's just, I'm sick of it, you know? So easy to say the right thing. The reason I don't say the inverted commas right thing, it's not because I don't want the right thing to happen. I just don't want to end up being a hypocrite. You know, which makes me think, could I could I boycott the World Cup? I mean, I love football. I love sport in England, in tournaments. I really love football that happens at slightly weird times. I think we all do, sport that happens at weird times. It's like this magic sport, isn't it? It's like waking up when the, the down under... Well, I'd say the down under ashes, but that's more like waking up in the middle of a nightmare and actually realising you're just in a different nightmare. But, you know, I don't have the same level of connection. You know, should the players be... It's weird that isn't there's not one player, these guys that took the knee for so long that some of them have got fucking arthritis. From having to stand. <laughs> that not one of them, you know, someone like Tyrone Mings who you know, gave out to the Home Secretary, pretty Patel, took a very high moral status and got all the credit that went with that. Not one of them has said, look, for me, I can't play in this because of my, my values, you know? I find it odd. I find it odd. And I do wonder, I do wonder, you know, I've said this before, I am considering a boycott of the World Cup and I'll continue that, but I would have to set off, you know, like on <laughs> Millionaire where you set your safety net and that safety net was be, look, if we make the semis, I will piss on all my principles okay we've got a letter here and this is actually picking up on the late night mash podcast that i've been doing vulgar cock all those episodes are out there there's nine episodes out and you can listen to them we had some uh, very interesting discussions this is a, a letter from james picking up on the debate that we had about drugs and whether or not uh in particular cocaine should be re- legalized in britain <clears throat> And he says, I think there's actually a proper reason to legislate for it. Uh, I think there are two options. This is James speaking here, just before the old Bill come knocking at my door. Um, there are two options, and you need to try to see which works best. Firstly, in both, you should not be able to sell coke in the same venues as alcohol. <laughs> Can you imagine the queue for the toilets if there was cocaine readily available in pubs? My God, every single, every single pub would just look like an episode of Peaky Blinders. We'd all go a bit off of Shelby. Fucking hell, Tommy. Fucking hell. I'm doing some Tokyo snow on the bar. Fucking hell, Tommy. It's been cut with fucking dry roasting peanut dust, Tommy. Fucking hell. Uh this would already this would instantly add that little hump when it comes to getting coke when you're already drunk. I.e., can I be asked to go out and buy more? I mean, there's a very well-established connection between uh cocaine, you know, alcohol lows the inhibitions. Then people think, well, maybe I'll get a bag, you know. So yeah, I mean, but then you know, if you could sell it, if you were in a pub and there was a place next door that sold it, you know, just pop in the boots. <laughs> boots. As if they would sell it in boots. Just waiting there with a person, wait, you know, the old deer waiting for a fucking uh, prescription strength anti-inflammatories and you're just standing there shifting from foot to foot. Um, the other restriction I consider, and this is where you have the two options, is saying you couldn't buy coke after 7 p.m. So you basically have to decide what you need for the night before you go out. I mean, knowing British people, that would just be, the queue at 6.55pm would be bigger than the queue for the Queen. Um, (laughs) um, And this is where I'd want to see evidence, as I genuinely don't know whether that would increase or decrease consumption, uh, as James goes on to say, whether you'd buy more for fear of running out, or would you just think, fuck it, I've run out, I'll buy more tomorrow. I mean, it is weird. I do just think, you know, I'm quite a liberal person, don't, you know, I've experimented throughout my life. I just don't, I just don't know if this country can handle cocaine being legal. And it goes against a lot of my principles. I just don't think given the amount that we drink and given, like, I mean, we saw what happened in the Euro 2021 final. Geezers doing Charlie off their knuckles on Wembley Way. Just imagine a whole country of that. That That is my problem. I think the difficulty element in obtaining cocaine is the one thing stopping us all from having heart arrhythmias. Okay, so that is the end of uh, this week's solo episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do enjoy doing the solo ones. As I say, recommend the show. Please recommend the show. Give it a like. Uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, because the likes are all part of the algorithm, and you keep it up the charts. And do it, make sure you're subscribed. Are you subscribed? Are you following this show? That's what again, what helps keep it up. And uh, yeah, just recommend the show. If you know, obviously, you can't afford the Patreon. they oh, I'm begging. I'll stop begging now. But let's see, we have got a, a couple of new reviews here. I haven't done these for a while. If you leave a five star review and I can see it, I will read it out. This is from Confused Writer. He calls the show thought provoking and funny. As a lefty, I don't agree with Jeff's Tory viewpoints. You sound like Nicola Sturgeon there, Tory, fucking Tory. For her, that's a, that's a C word, isn't it? Conservative, but in a different way. But I still listen, so he must be good, or I'm, or I'm confused. It's good to hear opposing views, but delivered in a reasonable, non-polemic way. Keep up the good work, Jeff. Apart from I did get a bit preachy about the liberal celebrities, but somewhat ironically. Uh, This is from Sparrowfield. Sparrowfield's got to be a cockney. Uh, This is what most people think. By the time Jeff reads this, we'll have a new Prime Minister, of course. I am... Oh, no, that literally is true. This is from the 23rd of October. I am looking forward to hearing his take on the opening days of the new government. Great show, Jeff. Keep it up. And this is from Cat Tucks. This podcast has become part of my daily life, so much so... I often say to my husband, a 45-year-old actual electrician, not just a middle-aged man that looks like one, hey, I mean, I've dined out on that image. Thank you. I mean, am I, am I wearing an electrician face? You know, a like black face? Is it, is it, <laughs> is it problematic? Uh, you often say that, well, my mate Jeff says during many discussions, can't get enough. And uh, <laughs> and this is from Chris Lobster Legs. This is a great podcast. May's car journeys a joy. Even my lefty car passenger was laughing. I'm not a patriot, but I have bu- Patreon. <laughs> I'm not a patron, but I have bought the book. Oh, by the way, the book is still available. Where did I go right? How the left lost me? Or if you're getting the paperback version, Memoirs of a Working Class Voter. Why did you change it, Jeff? Because we wanted to sell more books. <laughs> And we realised a lot of left-wing people were put off by the original title. Hey, I'm a fucking cynic. I'm a capitalist. Uh, that's available on Amazon, and obviously, again, if you could give, if you read that book and you haven't reviewed it yet, go on Amazon or Goodreads, give it a five-star review. That all helps. And he also says, no ads makes for a safer car journey. And I think I would take, uh, I think I take your point there, right? Because for the ads, you suddenly get your device and you start fast-forwarding. Hey, listen, what a great point to end the show here. Not only am I providing the lulls and the knowledge, I'm saving lives. Yeah. So a thank you finally to our Patreon community that help keep the podcast both weekly and ad-free. So enjoy this weird bit of November. Get through it and I'll see you next week.